Geekville Radio. It's Sam. This has to be subtle. Subtle. Got it. Hello once again, Geeks and Geekettes. This is Seth, a.k.a. Zandrax, with a special edition of Geekville Radio, because... Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! This whole show is going to be full of spoilers, so I figured I just might as well wave the tag, get it out of the way first, because if you don't want anything spoiled about Falcon and Winter Soldier... I'm not even going to tell you to fast forward. I just just turn the show off and then watch the watch and come the back. first couple of yeah and, and then and then come back because we're going to be talking all uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier and where we think it's going and what what characters are going to be doing what with some comic background here. And once again, I don't have to do it alone. Joining me from the nice soft padded cell in South Kakalaki, Crazy Train, Jonathan Bullock. All aboard, ladies and gentlemen. This was a great geek weekend. Lots of uh, viewing. So this is our first review of. Probably several to come here in the next few episodes. Great, great geek weekend. <laughs> yeah, I tried to say it the last episode that we're probably going to have several episodes this coming week because, of course, we had Falcon Winter Soldier and we got Zack Snyder's Justice League, which we will review, but we're just going to dedicate a separate episode to that because trying to do them both at once, we'd, you know, we'd probably have like a 37-hour-long podcast or something like that. So if you're a Marvel fan and you like Falcon Winter Soldier, this is the, the show for you. But shortly after this one goes up, we're going to be recording one dedicated entirely to Zack Snyder's Justice League. So uh, as far as a first impression for me with Falcon Winter Soldier of the Train, first thing I noticed right off the bat was I could tell these episodes were longer than the WandaVision episodes. It might Mm -hmm. just be because it's the premiere. But this felt like it was more paced, like it would be an hour long if it had commercial breaks, whereas WandaVision, they were probably a little bit more than a half hour at the most. Right. Um, but unlike WandaVision also, this genuinely felt like we're in phase four now because WandaVision had spent all that time with the TV world. And yes, we know that Monica got snapped or blipped and came back, but they really didn't talk about the background as much. And this pretty much kicks off after that initial action sequence with Falcon raiding that C-130 in the sky. Right away, they start talking about Captain America being gone and Falcon essentially handing over the shield that Steve gave him, even though Steve was basically giving him his blessing to be Captain America. Sam essentially turned the shield over to the authorities and they basically talk about the history of Captain America since Steve isn't around anymore. Did you get that same vibe? Yeah, yeah. I thought my initial thoughts are I like where they're going. I thought they did a good job. We didn't see... Bucky and Sam together right away. We kind of they kind of had their own separate story arcs. So if you watch episodic television, you can see where they're going. Mm-hmm. You can see that eventually something with that, and we'll, when we get to the end, we'll explain where we think they're going. You could see you know Sam's going one way, Bucky's going another. There's the shield, the shield being turned into the government. That's going to be the storytelling element that's going to probably bring them together. And yeah. then I think we get as you as you've predicted the buddy cop. Yeah. Pretty simple, basic storytelling, but if oh, it's yeah. done right, it's always good. Yeah, and then I had even said off mic, the, to use the wrestling analogy, Sam is definitely the white meat baby face of the duo, and Bucky is the character baby face, because 
Bucky has his issues that we clearly see with the therapy he's trying to go through and not really having a very good time with it. And based on the background we've been given, the stories has been told about the two characters up to this point in the MCU, that's really the only way you could go. Right. And really with Falcon, there is that scene where he's with Torres, who in the comics actually does kind of become a sidekick of his. So I think mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're going to be pursuing that route. But there was that, that person that came up that said, oh, you rescued my wife. And Falcon said in French or Arabic or whatever it was, just said, hey, I'm, I'm just glad to be, to be of help. No, he said Arabic. Yeah. yeah he, he said, he said, because he's like, you speak Arabic. He said, that's about all those Arabic. I speak. <laughs> yeah. But that is very much a white me baby face attitude that, hey, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm just glad, I, I'm just glad it all worked out in the end. I did like, much like WandaVision, where they brought back smaller characters like Cat Dennings and, and, and Jimmy Woo, they brought back Batroc. And they brought back the same actor, George St. Pierre, former UFC champion. Uh, I also like the fact that in the fist fight he and Cap had at the beginning of Winter Soldier, he gets his butt kicked because Cap's Cap. Mm-hmm. He kind of handles Sam to kind of subtly remind you, Sam doesn't have the super soldier serum <laughs> that Steve had. He's right. a trained fighter and he has the cool tech, but he's just, he's just a normal human being. He doesn't have powers, you know? And like the... A stinger at the top of the show where they say, oh, Sam, this has got to be subtle. He's like, subtle, got it. And as soon as he drops out of the plane, this is going to be anything but subtle. Right, right. And, of course, that was a callback to the same scene we're ta- I was just talking about in Winter Soldier, where Cap just jumps out of the plane and he's like, does he have a parachute on? He never has a parachute. <laughs> <laughs> right. of, course, of course, Steve doesn't have mechanical wings either, but, but, but Sam does. <laughs> And I, I also think it's kind of funny. I never noticed it before that Batroc's first name is George, just like George St. Pierre. And but I mean, Batroc's French. George St. Pierre is French, so it fits. Oh, he's French. He's French Canadian. So, oh, okay. You know. <laughs> yeah, he's from he's from Montreal. Oh, okay, Quebec. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Quebec. <laughs> I just think it's kind of funny that, that Batroc. I don't even think you'd call him a B level villain in the comics. He's more like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe C plus, uh, but for some reason he get, he keeps getting trotted out for the cap movies. A lot of MMA fighters and pro wrestlers have or have have second careers as, as small movie parts, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Terry Funk himself, former NWA World Heavyweight Champion in wrestling, said starting in about eighty three, I think, whenever he did Paradise Alley with Stallone, because us we in wrestling we don't have a union, we don't have insurance. He said, I, I did a movie every year just so I could keep my SAG card because that made sure I had insurance for my wife and my kids and I had a retirement plan. Pretty smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He had that memorable scene in, what, what was it, Roadhouse? Or, or was it Noel's Bar? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah Road, Road, Roadhouse. He says he can do something manly in a, in a dump truck that involves <laughs> impregnating women. And, of course, the comeback of, of, of Patrick Swayze is, yeah, opinions vary, which is one of the greatest <laughs> comebacks of all time. Yeah. <laughs> Now, there were definitely some Easter eggs that I saw while, while going through. And, and admittedly, uh-huh. I did have to pause in slow motion and, and stuff like that. But when Sam is talking to Rhodey and they're walking through the Captain America tribute area, the, it was a Smithsonian Museum, you do see on some of those setups, some of those kiosks, whatever you want to call them, it talks about Bucky being Winter Soldier and that he's currently missing. And right. it, all, it also talks about how Cap laid down the shield. So the public story is that Steve did lay down the shield and just kind of went quietly into civilian life. I don't think. I guess the, I, I guess that's the, the the government's cover story for that he actually went back in time and just stayed there. <laughs> right, right. Because technically, 
with the exception of just ignoring the going back in time spot, that's basically what happened. He just went back in time and laid down the shield. Right, exactly. So they never fully explained how Sam got the shield. I guess everybody assumed because they were best friends, he gave it to him. And that's Mm -hmm. why he could turn it over to the government. So it is what it is. It was nice to see Don Cheadle. I hope Rhodey has more than just that one walk-on scene because I'm a geek. I like being reminded that we're in this shared universe. And I would like to see Rhodey get a, a series of his own, even if he only gets four or six episode War Machine series. I think that'd be fun. And I like Don Cheadle's take on the character. I love that scene at the beginning of Endgame when, when Captain Marvel's being all cocky. He's like, hey, look, new girl. We're all about that superhero thing, <laughs> which is true. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, like leave, it, leave it to Rhodey to put everything kind of back in perspective, right? But with Bucky, all the crap he went through, and this is kind of the most human or the most vulnerable we've seen Bucky since, uh, really, since he, he came back. Since, since he I mean, maybe, came maybe, back from being Wakanda. Soldier. Yeah, yeah. but where I think Bucky's biggest problem is, is that Steve's gone. Steve would be able to rein him in and calm him down because that's his longest, closest friend. Steve Steve believed in him when nobody else did. Mm -hmm. And Steve keeps telling him, Bucky, you weren't you when you did those things. You were being mind controlled. It was that that famous scene in Civil War where he, he tells Tony, look, he's my friend. And Tony's like, but so was I. Yeah, and he, and he killed my mom. <laughs> yeah. It's it's one of those, uh, that very divisive League of Extraordinary Gentlemen adaptation in film, Connery's last movie. But I'm reminded of a scene in it where the Captain Nemo character tells the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde character to control himself. He's not going to have him rampaging on the Nautilus and destroying his ship. And Dr. Jekyll tells Captain Nemo, the worst part is... I can't remember what happens when I become Mr. Hyde, but I see the aftermath and know I did all these terrible things. And Captain Nemo just flat out tells him, because Captain Nemo's character in the comics and in the movie has a very dark past. He worships Kali, who, of course, is the goddess of death in Hindu faith. Mm, well. And he said, and he, and he said, Captain Nemo says, yes, I've done bad things too, but I remember all mine. I think that's kind of where Bucky is. It's like... I, I feel guilty of them, but it doesn't change the fact I still have the nightmares. I still remember them. I can tell myself all day long I was mind-controlled. Steve can tell me all day long I was mind-controlled. I still remember killing the Starks. I still remember all the bad things I did. Yeah, and and what is doubly so for this story is that flashback that he has where he busts through the, the wall and takes care of whatever those agents were. And then the last guy that he kills that was trying to say, I didn't see anything, blah, blah, blah. That was the son of Yori, the guy he mm-hmm. defends in the alley. I was trying to make the connection there. I I, I got that part. But mm-hmm. but I also had this feeling that Yuri, because it would make this a double gut punch if it's true. Was Yuri one of the Howling Commandos? Because there was an Asian fella in the Howling Commandos. I, I don't think so. I know who you're talking about. But I don't think that character was japanese i think he was korean i could be wrong well, uh, I, oh, okay. I have to go back i have to go back and watch it again the main thing i remember was uh, the, the 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 main character i remember other than dum dum was they had a jack fury who i think was supposed to be nick fury's father or grandfather right right and then of course there was the frenchman too i remember him he was funny he was mm-hmm. one that laid down on his back and put the sticky bomb underneath the hydro tank <laughs> yeah but that's how the howling commanders are presented in the comics they're presented mm-hmm. as this international group you know just led by yeah. cap yeah, yeah, they, well, they were they were World War II GI Joe basically. Exactly, exactly. So 
that was what I was thinking, but I, 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 I was waiting till we recorded to ask you because you're the cap guy. I figured you would know. Yeah. So you you think they are different, but but I mean I got that. I was thinking, wow. So he was mind controlled into killing one of his old war buddies, kid. Oh man, that's a double gut punch. But if they're if they're different people, it does it doesn't matter. I think the real point is, even his therapist tells him you're trying to make amends. That was hilarious. He even says that like with that that not not honest smile to that one guy he captures that was it, like a senator or something or a military guy is gonna gonna tell tell secrets or something he goes and i'm here to make amends and he smiles mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it, it's i i know because of the, what i do for a living that's not an uncommon practice amongst therapists for people who are having a lot of guilt issues 12-step program or any of our listeners are involved with that that's that's part of the 12-step program for all the twelve-step programs, AA, NA, you name it. Yeah, you yeah. Try, try to make amends with the people you've wronged and all that. You know, right, you know, right. And just, just basically, just it, it, it's a lifelong mission to not be the person that you were. Right. For all the psychoses and neuroses that human beings can have, a guilty conscience is one of the most damning. Mm-hmm. It can really affect people. We we've, we've talked about it before. It's kind of like the, the scene we always refer to is the scene in infinity war where bucky's out in the fields working the fields in wakanda and here comes t'challa and he he opens up the case and there's the new arm in him and his first thing the only thing he says is okay where's the fight it's mm-hmm. like bucky is guilty as hell about all the things that he's done but he understands it's the one thing he's good at right you know? uh, that that was the analogy i was going to make with characters like rambo and wolverine is mm-hmm. they hate what they are but it's all they know how to do what is wolverine's catchphrase yeah. I'm the best at what I do, but what I do is not very nice. Yeah. And for what it's worth, I did go through, check the cast for Captain America First Avenger. There was a character called Jim Morita. So I, th- oh, that, I don't that, think that's it was a, that's a Jap- Yeah, that's a Japanese name. That's not correct. Right, right. Correct. So, yeah, but but that also means that it's not not the same guy from uh, right, that, that, right. that Bucky was talking oh, to. Well. Oh, well. It, it, my, my hopes have been crushed. <laughs> <laughs> but the way I saw it, how, how I interpreted it was, it wasn't until... He was hearing uh, Yuri say, I, I never truly knew what happened to him. It was almost like Bucky was like piecing it together then that, wait a minute, yeah, I might have been the, the guy. Picture. Yeah, I, 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 I may have been the guy that, that, that killed him. And then I think he went to his apartment that night. He did. And he did it to, to make sure, okay, was this the same guy? And he just kind of had the cover of, uh, well, I owed you for lunch anyway. Well, when he, when he had the date with before that, when he had mm-hmm. the date with the girl at the at the, at the Korean restaurant and bar, yeah, yeah, that was, funny, that was a yeah, that was a funny scene when she's like, "How old are you?" One hundred and six, yeah. and I'm sitting there going, "He's not lying, honey. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you think he's joking? He ain't lying." So, <laughs> it, it, so yeah, there was definitely moments like that, like oh yeah, subtle, like you were talking about earlier. That's what we've come to know and love about the MCU. It's it's I think it's the the thumbprint left over from Joss Whedon, the the, the quippy, snarky. Just lightheartedness that is Marvel. So. Yeah, that, that that is definitely something Whedon likes to do, where he he hits you in the feels with something really emotional, and then there's a little joke in there to kind of kind of pull, kill the pull you back up. Yeah, yeah, to try to try to uh, stand you back up after dropping right. a, you know iron on you or something. Yeah, exactly. Well, when we looked at at uh, Sam's backstory, because that was Bucky's backstory. Once again, you're the Captain America guy. I'm trying to. Isn't Falcon in Falcon in the in the comic book is like either from Philly or Brooklyn himself. And if I remember, I even had like a like a was like a two bit criminal as a youth and then turned good. Whereas they completely redo his backstory here, where he, where he's from Louisiana 
Am yeah. I right in thinking that that, that that was completely different than the, yeah. the comic? Yeah, I don't, I don't recall him being Southern in, in the comics. Now, granted, when I started reading Cap regularly was probably the mid-90s, and Falcon really wasn't so, a big part of the Marvel right. Universe at that point. That was Yeah, Falcon was more of the 70s run with Cap. Yeah, but that that is something I'd have to look into, yeah. Yeah, I did like the story that was being told, the pride that Sam had, that the family pride he had, this idea of the long-term consequences of the blip. This this is a nice subtle reminder that if something like that really happened, life would never be the same. You know, yeah. it just wouldn't. Yeah. You have all these people that were coming back from quote unquote the dead, you might say, and they're gonna want their whatever life savings they had, whatever checking they, they had, and then you start getting into property and clothing and trying to deal with who died mm. and then Really, we could probably spend an entire show just talking about the differences that we get out. We get all sorts of off track, but it was the funny thing to me was when they, when he goes to get the loan with his with his sister to try to save the, the family business, which is a fishing business and the boat. And the banker says, "Didn't Stark pay y'all or some kind of fund?" Mm-hmm. Before they even got that point, when it, they first show him and his sister arguing about finances, I'm sitting there going, "I know Sam's a proud guy, but call Pepper." Pepper mm-hmm. floats you the loan at least. Yeah. She probably just give you the money outright. It, it's like that's so what something Sam wouldn't do. But right. it also he, he'd, he'd want to do it on his own by, by his own merit. But I also wonder in the comics we know that Tony has said. I mean, we've seen it. It's part of the MCU. We've seen it in that's how the Vulture is essentially created in in, in Spider Man Homecoming. That Tony creates his own company that's contracted the government called Damage Control which job is to clean up the messes that the Avengers and superheroes make fighting bad guys. So with that being said, it makes me wonder, and maybe I'm fanboying too much here. Pepper would know that Tony did this. Pepper's got a very good business sense. Obviously she runs the company after Mm -hmm. even before Tony dies. Don't you think she would have set up something like that or told all of them? If you have any financial problems with this, come talk to me. Yeah. I've been seeing a lot of feedback from fans about that. Like, wait a minute, the Avengers weren't getting paid. Shouldn't Tony be paying them? And I'm like, well, technically, the Avengers was brought about by S.H.I.E.L.D. So right. if they were taking a pay from anybody, it would be from S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, and S.H.I.E.L.D.'s an arm of the U.N., aren't they? Yeah, it's a specific government organization. But come on, anybody involved, Pepper would mm-hmm. all they have to do is come say, hey, and Pepper go, say no more, how much do you need? Yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. So I don't know if that's that'll be where, where things go, but yeah, I, I and I'm pretty sure Pepper's going to have tabs on anybody connected with any of the past Avengers. Avengers exploits. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Sure. Now, maybe, like I said, maybe I'm fanboying too much there. It just seemed like a big gap. We see that in homecoming, the whole thing, like during the Hulkbuster fight in age of Ultron, when Tony's asking Varad for how quick can we buy this building before he destroys it? You know, it's, it's like Tony thinks about these things. Pepper does too. Unfortunately, we live in a world where money and is a reality, and Tony and Pepper just happen to have a whole lot of it. Right, right. Now, kind of, kind of winding down with the episode part of it. We know that their loan gets gets declined, basically because of all the people coming back from the blip or from the snap. It's just the banks are overloaded with with trying to give out loans because everybody needs money. Right, right. Now, while Sam was trying to get that loan. Over in Switzerland, Taurus was working with some other guys, and they they were working with these flags. They were working to combat the Flag Smasher group, 
who were kind of the new terrorists. There's also the terrorist called, I think it was the LAF. I don't think they described what they were or... That was Batroc's group, wasn't it? Yes, but the people with the handprint on their helmets, those were the Flag Smashers, which there was a character called Flag Smasher in the comics in the 80s. And I think Mm -hmm. they just took that name and just decided to make them an organization. This is their new take on that villain. Right. For For 2021, yeah. And one of the things that I noticed looking... At the uh, credits, I recognized the names of one of the actors or, or actresses, and her name is Erin Kellyman, and she's probably m- most known for being the rebel leader in, or kind of the resistance leader in Solo, a Star Wars story uh, you know, with the freckles uh, okay. and that, that really curly hair. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Now, if you look closely, when those weapons start getting passed around to the Flag Smashers, the person that brings them out... You look around that mask, that's the, that's the hair that, that that person has. And she's credited in the episode as being the name Carly Morgenthau. Now, in the comics, the character of Flag Smasher, his real name was Carl Morgenthau. So it looks like they've gender-swapped the villain and made it a woman. So that, that's just what I expect. I think it's kind of funny that somebody who was a rebel leader for the good guys in a Star Wars movie is a rebel leader for bad guys in the uh, MCU. Yeah, I, I, I told you off, Mike. I'm, I'm kind of interested where they're going going to go with, with this group. First off, we failed to mention, when he beats up Torres, and as mm-hmm. Torres says later on to Sam, he broke his orbital, orbital bone, it's obvious that the leader of this Flag Smasher is, 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 is empowered. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be interesting, because I don't remember Flag Smasher in the comics. No, he was, wasn't he? Uh, Flag Smasher, I don't think, was enhanced. But But just like Crossbones had that really good tech and training. Right, right. Uh, Now, who was enhanced, and we'll we'll talk about him in the the second half of the show, is John Walker, who they introduce in the closing moments as the new Captain America. Right. But I I will be interested to see how they handle Flag Smashers, because Mm -hmm. it seems like even our earlier conversation that Torres had with Sam – this group seems to be very interested in an idea of world without borders, like a global community as opposed to nations. Right. And that that obviously right now is a fairly popular idea amongst a lot of people here in the United States and in Europe. That's why they formed the European Union of sorts. And so it's a very polarizing topic. And I, I've, so I'm kind of interested to see how they're going to handle it. With that being kind of a hot button issue right now politically – and there are obviously people who are watching this show and enjoying it who are pro that idea, and there are those who are anti that idea. How are you going to do that when you're clearly painting these guys as the bad guy? You know, right, right. And I'm glad that you brought up that uh, border thing because the character of Flag Smasher in the '80s, because remember this this run with with Flag Smasher and John Walker and all that. Th- this was the mid '80s. This was during the Reagan administration. There, you, you know, anybody who's old enough to remember the '80s knows kind of how nationalism was very high. Yes, yeah. And when we say nationalism, it's country pride, basically. Being, I don't want to really just want to call it patriotism, but it's looking after your own country first. Right. And the flag smashers were. Well, I of course do not mind the idea of hey, we're all under the same world. Trying to violently make that the point, I think, is where, where we have problems. And I think that's right. also why the episode was called New World Order, because it right. seems to be like that's what these flag smash, this Flag Smasher group wants to do, is they want to kind of... Well, I, I personally, the way I would, I would handle it, to where I think it's going to offend the least amount of people, is handle it kind of the same way Steve explains to Tony why he doesn't believe in the Sokovian Accords, which is 
this idea, uh, even if it's just one world, your judgment's the best judgment. You, any any group entity, whether it's the entire globe or an individual nation, can have agendas. And then, and if you're forced to to adhere to their agenda, it might be going against something that you don't believe in. And I think if they approach it that way, where they're kind of meeting in the middle, that the idea of nations and borders are okay because if individual groups want to live in that have similar mindsets, that's great. But if you don't, that's fine too. It's just when any group, whether it's across the globe or if it's individually in a nation, once they start having agendas, that's when you have problems. I mean, it's, that's also the kind of the whole point of what he's telling Nick in 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 Winter Soldier. This isn't mm-hmm. freedom, right? This is right. this is this is authoritarianism. This is the opposite of liberty. And so I think with with Steve being such an important character to Sam and Bucky and who they are, I think that's where they're going to go. It's, it, it's like they're not going to make any judgment one way or the other. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. They're yeah, going to say yeah, you, can be, right. you could be you could be for you could be for a global or or for nations. It doesn't matter. All that matters is don't try to force your will on others. Like I said, when the when the violence comes in and the forcing, that's where Steve would have a problem. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And, and I think Sam and, and Bucky will too. That's just my yeah. opinion. Yeah. All right. Now, with that nugget of the new Captain America being introduced, we will switch gears and we will talk about that character and that character's history in the comics. Because I think a lot of people that watched this series premiere probably don't know who the character of John Walker is. And you do see the name if you if you watch some of the trailers. You do see that name up on posters and such. So it's not like they were keeping it a secret that this is John Walker. So I mean, didn't they even announce the actor was going to play him beforehand as part of the cast? So yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. So this is Geekville Radio. We'll be right Radio. back to talk John Walker. Are you looking for a gaming themed podcast? Check out You Just Got Fred. Join host Jared Aubrey and his panel of gaming enthusiasts as they discuss news and accomplishments in the gaming world, and of course, the gripe of the week. That's all at youjustgotfrags.com, part of the Wrestling Brethren podcast family. Attention all Time Lords and Ladies, Geekville Radio presents Examining the Doctor, a weekly look at everybody's favorite Time Lord, the Doctor. Join Mark and Seth as they bring their signature blend of knowledge and humor to favorite and not-so-favorite episodes of Doctor Who. From Hartnell to Capaldi, Examining the Doctor provides episode commentaries for classic and current Doctor Who fans alike. Examining the Doctor, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and at GeekGoRadio.com. All right, we are back, and we're going to talk a little bit of history as far as the character goes. Now, a little bit of a disclaimer here. Obviously, we do not know how close this is going to be to how the character of John Walker is going to be depicted in Falcon and Winter Soldier. I just figured it would be cool to talk the history of the character to kind of get you ready for what we can see, because while the background may not be identical, again, because... We're talking the 2020s versus the 1980s. There's there's a huge difference, and not just in technology, but but uh, For, forty years in time has passed. <laughs> right, right. But usually, Marvel is pretty good about keeping many of the core elements of the character the same. Sure. So that's why I figured we 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 talk about it because the character of John Walker 
started out, I think it was 85 or 86, was when the character first showed up. And he was essentially a, a wannabe Captain America. He, w- he was an individual who decided to make a superhero persona for himself called the Super Patriot. And he had gotten super strength from a dealer who was going by the name Power Broker. Now, granted, Power Broker was behind giving other people super strengths who then had their own wrestling league, which Ben Grimm, the thing, knew. So there actually is a pro wrestling uh, (laughs) background to this as well. But unlike Cap, Super Patriot was underhanded. Uh, Not only would he fight cheap, but he didn't have the honor that Cap has. He thought Captain America was old and outdated and things have changed. And he essentially winds up saving Washington, D.C. from a bomb threat. And I think the guy winds up blowing himself up. But mm-hmm. he's the type of person that would kill the, he would kill the bad guy rather than Cap, who would bring the bad guy in alive and let the authorities deal with him. Because Cap's like, it's not my judgment to kill somebody. Right, uh, right. I hope, I, I that's hope I'm making we, sense that's, here. That's, yeah. Yes, it, it, Cap at his core, I'm an American. This is We have a legal system. I'm going to, at all costs, try to uh, avail it if possible, you know? Yeah. And the other thing about John Walker that really shows him not being not nearly as good of a character, and when I say character, moral character that Cap is, is John Walker probably wouldn't bother with a purse snatcher. He'd only want to do something that makes him look good that would get his name in the news, whereas, of course, Cap would stop a purse snatcher just as soon as he would. Of course, that ideology is not new to the Marvel Universe. We all know that Uncle Ben dies because that's kind of how Spidey is when he first gets his powers. Exactly, exactly. And then Spider-Man learns real quick from that mistake. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So fast forward a few issues, and Cap and Super Patriot have a few run-ins, and Super Patriot is stronger than Cap is. Cap's the better fighter, but he just can't seem to bring Super Patriot down because he's just not strong enough. Then the kind of like Bane, ver- Bane versus Batman. Batman's yeah, yeah. obviously the more skilled fighter. Not that Bane isn't, but Bane just overpowers Batman with brute force and some machinations that make Bruce mentally tired as well that were right. Bane's doing. Right, and Cap wouldn't have access to the utility belt goodies that Batman would. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. But anyway, so the government steps back in and says, uh, oh, by the way, Cap, remember you agreed to work for the U.S. military in World War II? Well, you're still alive, so that means you are still under contract to us. And Cap doesn't want to do this. He's, he's like, well, I'm an Avenger. I'm not part of the U.S. military. And the military's like, oh, yes, you are. So, in short... Shocking the American <laughs> government would do something like that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, Steve Rogers essentially has to give up being Cap in order to get out of the deal. Because right. he, he doesn't want to be looked at as a military guy. He wants to be looked at as Captain America, beacon of patriotism and all that jazz. So, you pair that with Super Patriot saving DC from a bomb threat. Super Patriot becomes the new Captain America. And he's kind of the... The military slay, I don't know if corporate's the word, but he's the guy that's going to be thrown out there in the limelight. And that's what he wanted anyway from the start. Right. And he's a puppet of the government as opposed to Steve, like we talked about earlier, going, I'm not a puppet of any government. Right. I'm going to make a phone call. They make that very clear in, in, in Civil War. Right. We're, and Steve commands the respect. I, was just, I shouldn't say command. Steve has earned the respect, whereas... Right. John Walker is one of the guys that, oh, okay, I got what I want. I get to beat up bad guys. Right. 
how does Tony even describe Steve to Loki in that great scene in the first Avengers? The legend who's perfect, who kind of turns out to be true, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. And then you fast forward another year or so in real time, at least as far as uh, comic issues and such. And Steve, of course, reclaims the mantle of Captain America again. But John Walker has seen the light and become a better person because of this. And he goes off and becomes U.S. agent who is basically the Captain America that's not Cap. He usually wears black instead of blue, but he still has a shield and, and all right. that jazz. I think he became part of the West Coast Avengers. Because again, if you remember the 80s, you knew there was the Avengers and then the West Coast Avengers. And then there was the Great Lakes Avengers for like five issues or so. Which was which was meant to be comedy. Squirrel Girl was a member of that. <laughs> right, right. And, and of course, I'm partial to that because I live in the Great Lakes area. So right. you know, they were and my if, boys. If, if, if I remember right, the West Coast Avengers, their leaders were Vision and Hawkeye, right? I think so, yeah. So that's kind of John Walker 101 as far as the background of the character. It's it's not that he's evil, but I fully expect him to be a bit of a jerk. Again, he's going to like that he's getting to beat up bad guys. He thinks it's right. He thinks showing no mercy is the way to go with these terrorist types. And, of course, that's 100% not what Cap, Sam, or even Bucky would be like. So I think that's really going to be where the third act of the story is going to be is – Sam and Bucky eventually talking John Walker down. I think it is going to end with Sam becoming the new Captain America. I agree. I I actually think that Walker's probably going to give him the shield that the government gave him. Said, no, you earned this. I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Now, whether we'll get a U.S. agent or not, I don't know, but we'll see. Now, of course, of course, in between all that, it's going to be the actions of Baron Zemo that's going to precipitate all this. We know that because we know Zemo is going to be in it. Yep. Complete with the uh, ski mask look that he has in the comics. Right, and I also think that we're probably going to get set up for things to come in the MCU. When just like with WandaVision, when the show's done, I think we're gonna we're gonna see where they're headed with these characters and how they're gonna play into the new MCU minus Tony minus minus Cap minus Natasha and a few of the other characters that are, we know aren't coming back. So I don't know if, if Zemo is gonna be the one pulling the strings behind the Flag Smashers or what, but. I think we can all see it coming. Something's going to happen that's going to precipitate Bucky and and Sam coming together. And then I think we're going to have that for a couple episodes. Their teamwork's going to be, and and they're going to realize that Zemo's pulling the strings and the whole time John Walker's doing his jerk stuff. And then that's all going to eventually end in, in, in John Walker seeing the light and the three of them working together to take down Zemo. And then then we know that Zemo's going to be a part of Thunderbolts. We know that's coming, too. So they're not going to kill off Zemo. They're not going to make him like a straight-up bad guy the whole time. You understand what I'm saying, I think. Yeah. I think our listeners do, too. Yeah. Even going back to Civil War, I figured they were going to go revisit Zemo at some point because they didn't kill him in Civil War. You know, he was captured. Right. Right. I don't know if we'll get Martin Freeman again as, uh, what what was the character? Everett Ross, I believe. believe. Everett Everett Ross, yeah. I wonder if they're going to bring him back because of the tie-in. He already has a Black Panther. Obviously, Black Panther 2 is in the middle of major rewrites. It has to be with Chadwick dying and them announcing right. they're not going to recast T'Challa. So. Right. I don't know if that means Everett Ross gets eliminated or not. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it could be. And I, and I will say, I think I said it before when we reviewed uh, the other Avengers movies. I, I got to hand it to Martin Freeman. That's a very convincing American accent he does. He does. He does. I just think it's funny we have Sherlock and Watson now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Geekville Radio. 
Let us know what you think about Falcon Winter Soldier, because uh, I was actually looking forward to this more so than WandaVision when we were seeing the trailers and such, but I'm not saying I'm going to, I expect to like this better than WandaVision, because I thought WandaVision was awesome, but I think it's going to be different. This is more like how the comics that I've read uh, in the 80s and 90s, how I liked them paced so but uh, train i think your uh thumbs up for falcon winter soldier too, oh yeah I, I like where they're headed with it i definitely think that this is much more and they said as much they said it was going to be like this i think this is much more in line with the feel of an action adventure mini movie as opposed to the more of the of the tv thing we got with wandavision until the last couple episodes right right this is probably something more like you can binge all the episodes, and it might feel like a a really like uh, well, kind, kind of like Justice a League, standalone too, we'll like a standalone Cap, Sam and Bucky movie. Right, right. Whereas WandaVision, I don't know if it does because of the way it was presented, but I do think that last maybe two and a half episodes felt like it could be a part of a movie, like a third act in a movie. Don't you agree? Yeah, yeah. It, it, like I said when we reviewed that, it really did feel like an MCU caliber movie in that, that kind of final third act. Right. Exactly. So, and we are available at Geekville radio, wherever you can find your podcasts. We are there too. We can be found at Google podcasts, Apple podcasts, Stitcher, uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, you name it pretty much wherever you can find podcasts. We can be found and train. If people want to talk to you about captain America or rock music or wherever, they want to talk to you about where can they find you i'm always available on twitter at crazy train underscore jb that is my handle across all social media platforms so choose the one and i'll i'll eventually get your message to, to where this show's going we'll be reviewing it probably much the same way we did wandavision every episode or two we'll do a review and like we said tune in later this week we're 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 compiling our notes we're gonna re- we're gonna review uh, the snyder cut of justice league so lots of good geek stuff going on right now i'm kind of excited Absolutely. So we're going to shut down the power here in the Geekville Radio Studios, and we'll talk to you folks again next time. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any product or company unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the host and or guests are purely their own and do not represent the views of geekvilleradio.com, a1-wrestling.com, or any affiliates. Some media used on Geekville Radio is the respective copyright of its publishers, all rights reserved. So the whole thing about Falcon and Winter Soldier feeling like a buddy cop, I take it that would make Falcon Starsky and it would make uh, Bucky Hutch? Sure. I just want to know who's going to play the the mad, angry detective captain that yells at him all the time. (laughs) And who's going to be Huggy Bear? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.